listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. All right. Well, let's go to the scriptures together. We have been kind of walking through the book of James, and today we are on James chapter 4. And I want to provide you with a quick overview of this chapter before we dive into it. The book of James, if you remember, is all about what a living, active faith in Jesus looks like. And in the fourth chapter of this letter, in the fourth chapter of of the book of James, James makes the case that a living faith in Jesus involves a life of surrender. And if you think about it, that's what being a Christian is. That's what being a follower of Jesus is. It's when we decide to make Jesus the Lord of our lives and we surrender to his way. And in chapter 4, James is going to point out some things that get in the way of that surrender. Things like quarreling and fighting, jealousy and pride, criticizing people, judging others, wanting our own way. These are all things, James says, that prevent you and I from living a life of surrender. And so James it essentially presents us with two options, that we can either rely on our own ability to find life through self-righteousness, self-confidence, self-reliance, self-importance, or we can find the life Jesus gives by surrendering our lives to God, by surrendering to his will for us. And so in this chapter, James doesn't pull any punches. He is very direct. He's not afraid to demonstrate some tough love here because he wants us, he wants his readers to understand where these two choices lead. That one, he says, leads to pride and opposition with God, and the other one leads to grace and God coming closer. So I'm assuming that you're like me, And you would rather have God come close than to actively resist God. And so let's see what we can glean from this chapter and and jump right in. Let's read verse 1 together. James chapter 4, verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? How many know there's been lots of quarreling and fighting during this season, right? This political cycle. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? So James says the root cause of all your quarreling and fighting are these evil desires that are at war within you. Now, it's important that we pause here. It's important to clarify that not all our desires are evil. Okay, that's a Buddhist philosophy. The Buddhists believe that one reaches nirvana by eliminating all their desires. But the scriptures teach that our desires are in fact God-given. 
our desire for meaning and purpose, our desire for connection and relationship, and our desire for intimacy are all God-given. Our desire for beauty and creativity and art are all God-given. Our desires for justice, right? Our desire for peace, our desire for wisdom and understanding and fulfillment and satisfaction and comfort, our desire for love, these are all God-given desires. That's what the scriptures tell us. The problem comes when we try to fulfill those God-given desires in an ungodly way. In fact, that's the definition of sin, right? Sin is nothing more than, than just us trying to fulfill these God-given desires in an ungodly way. And so James points to that. He says, you have a war going on inside you. You have all these God-given desires, but you're trying to fulfill them in the wrong way. And your quarreling and your fighting is a result of this. That instead of living a life of surrender, you want your own way. And there's this war going on. Let's, let's keep reading verse 2. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask... You don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So James is, goes on to say, you want your own way. You're jealous of what you don't have and scheme to get it. And on top of that, you don't even think to ask God about it. And even when you do ask God about it, he says, you're approaching him like a spoiled child. Your, your motives are out of whack. You're completely unwilling to surrender your way for God's way. And so he's essentially telling his readers and, and us that the strife we experience is often more internal than external. It's not about the fights and arguments we're having. It springs from in here. From within, There's, and the root cause of it is this refusing to live a surrendered life. And then what James does is he uses the analogy of cheating while being in a committed relationship. Look at, look at this verse, verse 4. I want to read this section from the message translation. James chapter 4, verse 4. You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, Flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies with God in his way. Wow. He's essentially saying, hey, when, when you're in a committed relationship with someone, flirting and cheating doesn't bring you closer, right? It, it tears the relationship apart. That's common sense. And James uses that analogy and he says, if all you want is your own way, then your relationship with God is in trouble. In fact, he says, you'll end up enemies with God in his way because you're communicating to God that his way isn't enough. Let's keep reading these next few verses here. Verse five and six. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. 
And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willing humble. One translation says it this way, that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, our relationship with God is such that when we humbly approach him, with a repentant heart. He gives us grace and he draws closer to us. Let's keep reading. I want to keep reading this chapter. Let's, Let's go to verse seven. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse eight, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. The message translation, there's this one line in the message translation where it says, quit playing the field. Hit bottom, cry your eyes out. The fun and the games are over. It's time to get serious. And there's this one line in the message translations, verse 10. It says, get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. I love that. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. See, this is what a living faith in Jesus looks like. There is this component of humble surrender. It's it's where we get serious and choose God's way over our own way. Well, There's a few more sections in this chapter, and James points out two more roadblocks or hindrances to you and I surrendering our lives to the way of Jesus. And the two things he's going to speak about next are self-righteousness and self-reliance. And in verse 11, he says this, Don't badmouth each other, friends. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? So he warns here about self-righteousness and how it prevents us from living a life of surrender. He warns against judging others. He says that behavior doesn't reflect a surrendered life. He, he, he uses the words, don't badmouth each other. You know, the rabbis called this the third tongue. And they called it the third tongue because three things happen. When we criticize others, when we judge others, it harms the speaker it harms the one spoken to, and it harms the one spoken of. And so James is making the point to say a surrendered life doesn't do that. It doesn't criticize others and judge others. Now, we have to be careful 
not to confuse judging others with calling out injustice and working for justice. They're two different things, right? James isn't saying here, well, since God's the judge, we shouldn't call out injustice and we shouldn't work toward justice. We should just stay out of it and let him take care of it. No, that's not what he's saying. In fact, in verse 17 of this same chapter, he says, it's a sin to know what we ought to do and then not do it. In other words, God expects us to address injustice. So it's our responsibility to call out injustice and to work for justice. But, but God is the one who judges. And a surrendered life knows the difference between those two things. And, and James is going to mention one more thing in this chapter that, that stands in the way of us living a surrendered life, and that's self-reliance. Look at verse 13. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. He, James is speaking here of when we live a surrendered life, it means that we don't solely rely on ourselves and our own plans. He says that life is like a morning fog. It's a vapor. It's fragile, right? And if there's one thing that we've been confronted with during this pandemic, it's just how fragile life is, right? Our health our economic situation and stability, our routines and recreation, our ability to travel, we have had to face the jarring reality that some things are simply outside of our control and plans. And, and our best laid plans can pretty quickly become an act of comedy, right? We just laugh and be like, oh, what, are you serious? See, there is a humility that comes from that. I think one of the things that we're going to come out of and the backside of this pandemic is just a new humility that, that life is a vapor, that life is like a morning fog. Like it, 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 we can lose what we have in an instant. And there's a humility that comes with that. So while we have a responsibility before God, to make plans, to live a life of intentionality, we also recognize, if we live a surrendered life, we also recognize that God can have a different plan. And a surrendered life is attentive to that, and it's okay with that. You know, I had some friends who were planning to move across the country this summer, and those plans changed because of covid and yet, instead of getting angsty and upset uh, and, and, and grumpy toward God, they were able to see God at work in that and just, just trust him. Because that's what a surrendered life does. It, it's open-handed. Where we make our plans and, and we live a life of intentionality, and, but we humbly hold that before God. And, and we say, hey, God, no matter what happens, it is well with my soul. 
There, and there is tremendous freedom and peace in that. When it, it's ironic because you think that living a surrendered life would 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 be heavy and burdensome. It's actually the opposite. It's freeing and peaceful because what you're in turn in turn doing is you're saying, God, I'm submitting my plans in my way because I recognize that your way is better. And you know how I see it? We might as well surrender our lives to God because we don't fully control them anyway. We really just deceive ourselves to think that we control um, our whole lives, right? This pandemic has shown us that, that our economic situation, our health, our mental health, our physical health, uh, our routines, our recreation, our ability to be free and travel and, and move around was taken away. And so we kid ourselves to think we're in control. And yet we all have this little control freak inside of us. And James in chapter four says, hey, the way to live a surrendered life is to not depend on self-reliance. Okay, Uh, let me close with a question. I'm assuming that you're watching this sermon online today because you want a living, active faith. There's just not a lot of reasons that you would be watching a sermon online on a Sunday unless there was something inside of you that said, yeah, I want to pursue God. I want a living faith. And according to God's word, according to the book of James here, a living faith in Jesus requires a surrendered life. So here's my question. Which one of these things that James mentions in chapter four is getting in the way of you doing that? of living a surrendered life. You know, maybe it's what he talks about in his opening verses here of this chapter. Maybe it's wanting things that you don't have. And there's this discontentment that's settled in you and it's preventing you. It's preventing you from from living a surrendered life. Maybe it's jealousy. You know, what if the, the agitation that you feel inside is a reflection of something else that's going on in here? And you just need to talk to God about it. That there's this discontentment and jealousy and it's preventing you from living a surrendered life, from from experiencing this living, active faith that James talks about. Maybe what's getting in the way of you living a surrendered life is wanting your own way, right? Deep down, you want to be obedient to God in his way, but you also want to do your own thing. And as a result of that, you're, you're, you're torn. You're, you're like what James talks about. You're kind of cheating, right? You're, you're, you're wanting God's way, but you're also wanting your own way. And, and deep down, you, you want to be part of God's way, but you also want your own thing. And as a result, you're feeling distant from God, even though he's there waiting to give you grace. You know, maybe what's keeping you from living a surrendered life isn't any of those things. Maybe it's your propensity to criticize and judge others, right? James mentions that too. That instead of being part of the solution, you're slamming the gavel on people. And calling out injustice has transformed. It's morphed into something else. It's, it's becoming judge, jury, and executioner. And it's worn you out because you're trying to take God's job away from him. It's his job to judge, right? It's our job 
to, to call out injustice and, and to be part of the solution and to work for justice. But sometimes what happens is, is that, that calling out injustice, that working toward justice transforms and morphs into us becoming a, a judge, a juror, an executioner. And we, we get tired because we're taking on God's job. We're taking God's job away from him. We're never designed to do that. You know, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not self-righteousness and judging and criticizing that's keeping you from living a surrendered life. Maybe it's what James talks about here when he talks about self-reliance. That deep inside, just thinking that your plans are better than God's plans. So when things don't work out for you, you get anxious and angry instead of just surrendering it to God. See, here, here's why I appreciate James chapter 4. Because I personally have allowed all these things that we just talked about at one time or another get in the way of me living a surrendered life. And I'm learning that when I notice those things, I need to talk with God about it. And so I would like to do that for all of us today. I would like to pray for us all and, and, and ask God to just show us what is in our lives that is preventing us from living a surrendered life, that's keeping us from this living faith that James is talking about. So let, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we acknowledge our own failings and our own sin, that we have these God-given desires in our life, but um, many times we try to fulfill them in an ungodly way. And Lord, I appreciate what James is doing here in chapter four. He's encouraging us and his readers that, that to have a living faith in Jesus, that we have to live this life of surrender. But Lord, surrender, especially in our culture, is not something that comes easy. We like to be in control. We like to, to be in the driver's seat. But the life that you call us, the faith that you call us to live in Jesus is, is, is the opposite of that. So Lord, I pray that you would help me, help my brothers and sisters who are, are listening right now and are praying with me right now, that you would help us to find the humility we need to live a life of surrender to submit our, our lives and our plans to, to you, God. Lord, we're going to need help with this. So I pray, Lord, that you, by your spirit, would empower us. Empower us to live a life of surrender. Lord, it's when we surrender our lives that we truly find life. That's what Jesus taught us. So God, help us to do that very thing. I pray for my friends who um, are, are experiencing discontentment and jealousy. Lord, that, that you would come alongside them and, and remind them of, of how much you love them and what you have for them and what you've already given them. Lord, I pray for all my friends who are just kind of wanting their own way and they're having trouble kind of choosing God's way in their own way. Lord, would you just give them the clarity in their spirit that they need to see that you, the love you offer is, there's nothing else like it. Lord, I pray for my friends who are just struggling with self-righteousness and, and criticizing others and judging others and they've been dropping the gavel. Instead, Lord, you want them to be involved in justice without being the judge. Lord, would you give the wisdom that they need to do that so that they can live a surrendered life? And then finally, Lord, we pray for 
our friends who are just struggling with self-reliance. They've had these plans and they've had these this idea about their life and it just hasn't turned out the way that they'd expected. And, and deep inside, if they're honest, they're angry, they're upset with you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help them find the humility to submit those plans before you and to trust that the plan that you have for them is better than any plans that we can come up with on our, on our own. Lord, help us to live the surrendered life that James talks about because we want a living faith. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me leave you with a benediction. As you go about your week, may you find the humility you need to surrender to God in his way. May you remember that he's with you, that he's for you, and that he's ready to come close to you. Amen. See you soon, friends. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.